Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Here in Portland, the local media is pretty flipped out. There are photographs of flatbed trucks going around the city of Portland, ripping mailboxes out, you know, unbolting them from the pavement and uh, tossing them in the backs of the trucks. It's nuts. And we've got multiple reports from around the country. This started in Iowa yesterday, and now there's, there's several others, that mail sorting machines... Two people running a sorting machine can sort X volume of mail. That same volume of mail to be sorted by hand requires 30 people. Let that sink in for a moment. That these mail sorting machines are literally being dismantled and removed from postal buildings. And the reason why, according to this absolutely bizarre story, I tweeted this out yesterday. It was in the Oregonian, our local newspaper here. They asked the Postal Service, why are you taking these things apart? And they said, and the spokesperson for the Postal Service said, because mail volume is down because of the coronavirus. Well, doesn't that kind of imply that eventually mail volume is going to go back up again? Number one. Number two, caller yesterday called and said this, and I was just like, whoa, yeah, of course. Every year around Christmas time, some large fraction of American families mail out Christmas cards. Now, you know, only about 120 million people vote every year, and the best estimate is at least, well, 25% of those two years ago were voting by mail, and four years ago, roughly a quarter. And uh, this time around, it'll probably be roughly a half, maybe a little more. But that's, uh, you know, what, half of 120, you know, 60 million pieces of mail, 60 million families. Well, I'm guessing more than 60 million families mail more than one Christmas card at Christmas time. And that doesn't gum up the mail. It doesn't choke the mail. It doesn't shut down the mail. Why would one family mailing one or two ballots, in the case of Louise and I, we mail in two ballots, but one individual mailing one ballot back be enough to bring the, the Postal Service to its knees? The post office has now notified two different states that they may not be able to accommodate their vote-by-mail programs, Pennsylvania, and I, I don't have the article in front of me, the, and one other state. I mean, this just seems crazy. Of course, what this relates to is this order that Louis DeJoy has made, the uh, multimillionaire financier of the Trump campaign that Trump put in charge of the post office to arguably destroy it so it can be privatized. Louis DeJoy holding Elizabeth Warren is looking into this now in the Senate. After he got appointed to the post office, he bought a whole bunch of options to buy Amazon stock at prices below the current market price. What's that about? Plus, he owns between 30 and $70 million in stock in a company that is a contractor for the post office, that if the post office is privatized or if the post office is injured so they need to rely on contractors more, Louis DeJoy gets much, much richer. What the hell is going on here? And let me remind you, back in 1894, when the Pullman-Porter strike happened, the President of the United States put Eugene Debs in prison because he was leading the strike, the guy who six years later would run for president, because he was leading the strike and the strike was slowing down the mail. But Eugene Debs was put in prison 
for slowing down the mail. It's a federal felony. This is just nuts. It's more than nuts. I mean, this is wrong. In fact, it is so outrageous that Susan Collins tweeted yesterday, the U.S. Postal Service continues to be a lifeline amid COVID-19, especially for seniors, veterans, and those in rural areas who rely on mail delivery for essential goods. I sent a letter calling for the U.S. Postal Service to promptly address the delays in mail delivery. Wait a minute. Susan Collins sent a letter to the post office about how letters don't get delivered? Really? She's gone from being concerned to sending a letter. Wow. I guess we should all be very impressed. Carl in Fairland, Texas. Hey, Carl, what's on your mind today? The Postmaster General, as a matter of fact. Okay. He needs to understand that after January 20th, when the Manchurian candidate is gone, and after Mitch McConnell's been demoted or fired, he will be investigated and prosecuted, I hope. That's all I really have to say. I would like to hear that out of Joe Biden's lips. Uh, You know, he's already said he would not stand in the way of investigations or prosecutions of Donald Trump. But I'm with you, Carl. I'm absolutely with you. Thank you for the call. Rachel Maddow is uh, literally the only person that I've seen. You know, I don't watch TV all day long, but the, the only person that I've seen on electronic media, on television, who is just openly saying this is the dictator's playbook. You know, I published this piece yesterday on Alternate and and Raw Story and uh, other places saying that this is the dictator's playbook, but that autocrats, people who reshape the government in order to turn it into a keep me into power machine, they don't have a way of saying, okay, I'm out of power now, because when they lose power, they get prosecuted for the crimes they committed when they had power, and therefore they never let go of power. And that's what Trump is doing. He knows that he is facing prison when he leaves office, in part because of the things he did while he was in office and to get into office. I mean, Michael Cohen went to prison for the crime of of concealing Trump's affairs with uh, Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. And at the direction of Donald Trump, which means Trump could go to prison just like just like uh, Michael Cohen, by the way, he rolled out his book. Now, it won't be available, it won't be in bookstores or however, you know, however you get it until uh, the end of September or the 1st of October. The official release date is October 1, although they're talking about getting out a little earlier. But he did publish part of the preface yesterday, and the website is disloyalthebook.com. And I went over there yesterday and, you know, read the foreword. The the site kept crashing because, uh, you know, he tweeted it out and suddenly everybody was hitting the website trying to buy the book and read the foreword. But he is laying it out. He is laying out Donald Trump's crimes, his open collusion with Russia and other foreign powers, his his, uh, having a golden shower in Las Vegas in a sex club which kind of adds some credibility to the whole uh, Golden Showers in Moscow thing. Maybe, I, you know, I'm looking forward to this book. It's going to be real interesting. Back to the post office. I just, I had mailed a couple of my books to a, uh, to a fellow, his name is Jeffrey. Jeffrey, if you're watching, we had corresponded and I had sent you uh, some books and a personal letter and the post office just returned it to me because, and this is in a priority mail package, because the books made it thicker than a half inch. Now this is a rule that the post office has not enforced since the six months or a year after 9-11. Right after 9-11, they started saying, if you try to send a priority mail package that's thicker than a half inch, you've got to bring it in in person so that they can test and make sure it's not filled with bombs or anthrax. Remember that? Well, they're enforcing that again. I sent this two weeks ago from Portland, and it arrived in my post box, in my mailbox yesterday, returned to me from the post office. Attention mailing customers, we regret to inform you that your mail was not collected or is being returned to you due to heightened security concerns. This is the stickers that they were passing out back in 9-11. 
Any mail piece over one half inch thick that uses postage stamps it must be presented by a customer to a retail service associate at a post office location for shipment. And it took two weeks for the post office to return my own, you know, my package. I mean, this is nuts. So, Jeffrey, I'm going to send them out again this afternoon in two packages that'll be half as thick, and hopefully the post office will deliver them. But, you know, somebody is screwing with our mail, and I think we know who it is. It's that multimillionaire, Louis DeJoy, who owns $70 million in stock for a company called XPO that is a contractor with the U.S. Postage Service, between 30 and $75 million in stock, and is a major stockholder in Amazon. And who benefits if the post office goes out of business? You know, Amazon has developed their own delivery system now. They've got their own fleet of trucks, their own vehicles. They've got their own airplanes. This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Bill in Anza, California. Okay, hey, Tom. Hey, um, I know I went to my post office yesterday to purchase some stamps, and I noticed mm-hmm. that our drop-off box is stolen. It's been gone for three weeks, and... And then you tell me that they're taking drop boxes off out in Portland today. I'm wondering if this is going on all over, all over America. It is going on all over the country. Oh, man. <laughs> You're freaking me out, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. So in your town, the, the local mailbox is gone. Yeah, they just took it. It, it was. It, we thought it was stolen three weeks ago, and then I just asked my. Yeah. I, I went to town to purchase stamps yesterday because I just want to buy stamps to help support the post office, and it's still gone. And then you tell me they're t- they're taking it. Are they going to be vote harvesting when this comes around and having a special place where we go to drop off our ballots? Because we've been voting by mail up here for the last nineteen years and never had a yeah. problem. Yeah, some you know, uh, some states are putting out uh, ballot drop boxes. I wouldn't call it ballot harvesting. <laughs> They're putting out ballot, you know, ballot drop boxes. We do that here in Oregon. Washington State does that. The state of Ohio, their Secretary of State just passed a rule, or maybe the legislature passed a law, but it's going to be the it's going to be the way it's done in Ohio. Each county can have one drop box, so the entire city of Cleveland, you know, gets one drop box. It's crazy. Bill, thank you for the call. Carl in Ocala, Florida. Hey, Carl, what's up? Hey, thank you for taking my call, Tom. I'm, I wanted to make a statement and, and ask you a kind of a two-part question. I have never, ever considered the post office, the governmental department that would become a problem for us that we had to deal with. It's probably the best-loved department in the federal government. But I am really concerned that somebody who works for Trump saw the writing on the wall with all of the emphasis now being put on vote by mail, we have, in my personal belief, practically put all our eggs in one basket with this vote in the mail. We are we are praying yeah, at least half our eggs, oh, yeah, and we, to, and we have to because of COVID nineteen. So my question is, what House? And I was going to ask this of the representative, but I didn't get it in time. What House committee has oversight authority over the post office? Do you know by any mm. chance? I don't. I, I don't know if that would be uh, government operations or ways and means or if there's some, some committee, you know, which appropriates the money or whether there's some specific committee. That's a damn good question, Carl. I'll try to remember to ask that of Congressman Khanna or Congressman Pocan the next time they're on. Well, because, uh, or, you, you know, you could call your member of the House and ask them at 202-224-3121. In fact, I will look that up after we get off the air today because that's the committee. Members of that committee are the people that we should be lobbying. Carl, thank you for that. Jim in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Jim, what's up? Postal sorting machines are being removed from offices. This is Yeah, I know. The, uh, post, the, uh, the head of the Postal Workers Union in the no, state no, of Iowa mentioned that's happening there. They're sabotaging so it. Something has to yeah. be done. This is a hair on fire moment. You know I absolutely what? agree. Let and that's and thank you, Jim. Thank you for the call. And that's why if you live in a red state or if you have a Republican representing you in Congress, right now is the moment to call 202-224-3121, which is the number for, for Congress. It's the switchboard for the House and Senate. And simply, and if you don't know who represents you in the House of Representatives, but you're pretty sure it's a Republican, just say, well, my zip code is 97305, and they'll look it up and they'll say, oh, you're represented by Joe Blow. Here, I'll put you through to his office. And then you write down Joe Blow's name, and when you get to the, to the, uh, to the person on the other end, you say, 
I'm very concerned about the fate and future of the post office, you know, and not just because of the vote. I, you know, I get my medication this way. I pay my bills this way. I mean, this is crazy that they would they would kneecap the post office, the thing that Ben Franklin created in this country. They would kneecap that so that one guy, one oligarch, one billionaire oligarch can hold political power. This is breathtaking. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Zeke in Portland. Hey, Zeke, what's up? Yeah, Tom, I would just like to clarify what uh, Trump is up to here. He said straight up yesterday or the day before that the Postal Service will not get the extra money. They have to have the extra money to do the vote by mail. They're not going to get the money. Therefore, don't even try. I mean, you're not you're not going to be able to vote by mail. And this is a big, stinking Trump lie. Um, I saw. Paul well, he walked it back yesterday and said he he probably wouldn't vote veto a bill that had money for the post office. But but frankly, I don't think it's an issue of money any longer. I you know you've got Louis DeJoy. He's already dismantling these machines all over the country. This apparently started in May. I mean, they're ripping up post boxes here in Portland. I know. I know. Mark Demonstein is the president of the American Postal Workers Union. He was right. He's been on this show many times. Night. He said to Lawrence that the postal workers will move heaven and earth to deliver these ballots. If they don't have the option of going to a drop box, they need to get that ballot back in the mail as soon as possible. No procrastination. And if they do that, the postal workers will, I think, rise to the occasion and we we can get around this. That's just what I want. Yeah, I, you know, from your lips to God's ears, Zeke, we've, we've got it. You know, it's, it's become a really big lift. Zeke, thanks for the call. Thomas in Woodburn, Oregon. Hey, Thomas, what's up? Uh, yeah, real quick. Yeah, my idea was that maybe you could on air chide uh, Bill Gates, George Soros, and a few other uh, moral billionaires to donate $25 billion to the post office. And see if yeah. that could, uh, the billionaires are not going to save us, Thomas. Uh, they never were going to. They're not going to now. Uh, the billionaires have, you know, right-wing billionaires have been the salvation of uh, the Republican Party for some considerable period of time. But, the, you know, frankly, they're not going to. They're not going to be saving us here. Karen in Rossford, Ohio. Hey, Karen, what's up? Yesterday, there was an article in Washington Post called "Democracy Dies in Darkness," and it said that the RNC is planning to contest mail ballots without a postmark that are received after election day yes and the reason i I think i think the reason they're doing this the drop the drop boxes will they contest ones that are dropped off instead of mailed in no i think what they're what they're looking at is is those and i don't know how many states have it set up this way but those states where it had to have been here in Oregon. It used to be that it had to be postmarked before Election Day. And, you know, they took a couple of days to count all the ballots that came in on Election Day and for two or three days thereafter. I don't know if that changed when Oregon went to uh, postage prepaid return envelopes or not. Frankly, I, I, I you know, I, I wasn't paying that much attention. But my guess is that that's what they're looking at. There are some states where if you get it in the mail by election, you know, it's sort of like the IRS. It's got to be postmarked by April 15th, even though the IRS doesn't get it until the 17th or 18th. And this is an attempt to blow that up, or at least that's how I interpreted that article. I may be wrong. And I think that probably... I'm sorry. Well, that's the that's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, in in states like Oregon, I mean, maybe he's trying to disqualify the entire Oregon vote so that, you know, because our none of ours will be postmarked because they come postage paid and postage paid envelopes don't get postmarked. So, you know, it may weigh, in fact, that's one of the reasons you get a discount for it is they don't have to run it through a postmarking machine. So, you know, maybe he's trying to make sure that this time he doesn't lose the popular vote by three million votes again. He's going to simply discredit all the votes from Washington State and Oregon and Colorado and Hawaii and, you know, and Utah, the states that do all mail-in ballots, if I'm remembering the list correctly. I don't know. But uh, it is it is troubling, Karen. What we're looking at right here is an effort to steal an election by an autocrat. Lon in Pleasanton, California. Hey, Lon, what's on your mind today? I was talking to one of your representatives, and I think the the key date in the last decade was April 20th of 2011, when uh, Seth Meyers and Obama went after Trump for that uh, correspondence. I was there. See that? 
you were. I yeah, was in the I room. Mean, I think that's really a significant date because you, you see, right after that, he he started his hyperactive lunacy to get Obama out of there. And you know, talking about yeah. the media, a prime example is, is he's having these his his daily briefings, which are absolute lunacy. But all it is is it's it's free campaign for him, and the taxpayers are paying for it. Yesterday, that the classic example is when he said that they could possibly have the vaccine by November 3rd. You know why he said that? Because so his homophobic, racist, misogynistic base can go, see, honey, we'll vote for him on November 3rd and we'll go get our shot, too. You see what I mean? That's the mentality in this right. country. That's what's happening. Because yeah. bad news sells, you know, overall. That's what the media is involved in. They don't, you know, they say, tune in at 7 and we'll tell you how you're all going to die tomorrow. Oh, and by the way, probably some peanut butter and Viagra in the meantime. You see what I mean? That's how the world works. These guys in the Trump campaign actually, I, I was going to say, actually believe their supporters are this stupid, but it must be, it must go beyond belief because they've been doing this for several years now. So it must actually work. I'm getting emails. I've gotten three emails in the last week that specifically said, and one was from Eric Trump, one was from Eric Trump's wife, and one, and the one I got today was from, you know, Brad Parscale or somebody, you know, some campaign official saying, President Trump picked your name out, Fred, from the, from all his entire list of donors to say you're one of his top donors and he would like your advice. Will you please fill out this survey or will you please, you know, or would you please contribute $50 to get a plaque as one of the top 100 contributors to the Trump campaign or whatever it may be? You know, these highly personalized emails that assume that I'm stupid enough to believe that Donald Trump is sitting around looking over his donor list and going, oh, Fred Flintstone or oh, Tom Harbin. That's that guy is my guy. I want to have, you know, another one of them was Donald Trump told me that he would like to have dinner with you. Would you please, you know, make a thirty five dollar contribution to put your name in the running for, you know, in other words, to enter the contest, basically. And as we know from Judd Legum's reporting, nobody ever wins these contests. Donald Trump hasn't had dinner with anybody. But, you know, they're still doing it. They've got one going for New York next week. It's just like they are just screaming to the world that Trump supporters are stupid, that they're low IQ people who don't understand what, a, you know, how a con runs. And uh, well, I just find it astonishing, it, it, Tim. Yeah, it's, it's amazing because what you have to understand is, you know, you look at regional variations in this country. I have friends, I've traveled the country, I have friends all over. We're not a united country. We never really have been. If you look at, you know, educational backgrounds, military sure. background, economics, and so forth. You know, my parents came from Nebraska. You have people that are literally live four, five, six generations, and they, uh, their mentality has not changed. You see what I mean? And those are yep, the people that are going to vote for that SOB. It's as simple as that. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely get it. Tim, thanks for the call. I, you know, what, what is just, it, it saddens me, frankly, that, that the Trump campaign is so... Sur- Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That their supporters are so stupid. We'll be right back. Aaron in Carmichael, California. Hey, Aaron, what's on your mind today? I wanted to talk to you about possibly getting the president a line item veto, and that would be for all presidents, because Paul Ryan mentioned that to Obama way back when he was president. I think it would be good, because then we could actually vote for the person and not for the party. We could kind of get away from parties altogether. Yeah, I'm ambivalent about that. The The problem with line item veto, and we've we've certainly seen this in the states that have it, is that it massively increases the power of the executive branch. It gives the president the ability to basically participate in the legislative process. And that is something that the framers of the Constitution were very clear should never, ever happen. Congress has the sole power to appropriate and spend money, and then the Congress takes that appropriated money and supervises the agencies that do the spending of it, whether it's you know the FDA or the USDA or whatever it may be. And with a line item veto, you are, you are weakening substantially, I mean radically weakening the power of Congress um, to define the parameters of that. And uh, so, you know, respectfully, Aaron, unless you can convince me otherwise, I would not go along with that. Well, the only thing I could think of is that the, Congre- the Congress, so like the minority party could say, hey, you know, they line item veto this item out and they could use it as a campaign strategy against whoever the sitting president was at the time. The problem with that, um, and again, I, you know, I, I, I applaud your thinking on this. You know, it's, it's like we're all trying to figure out ways to make our republic work a little better. Um, uh, but the problem with that is that most people, while they may know the big stuff, you know, like, hey, Congress just passed the military appropriations bill. And, and, and personally, I mean, wouldn't it be cool if, if a president had the ability to do line item vetoes in that? Um, because so much of it is just pork. But, but uh, the fact of the matter is that if the president vetoed, line item vetoed some of the items in that bill, most people will never know that. You know, they, they just don't pay that much attention to how, you know, to the nuts and bolts of governance. I mean, that, that's something that maybe 5 or 10% of Americans know about, whereas maybe 40 or 50% of Americans would know the substance of legislation that has been passed and, and essentially the substance of the Republican, or excuse me, of the president's opposition to it. This, this works for both parties. And I think that the big lesson that we've learned from the Trump presidency, Aaron, is that largely as a consequence of 9-11, but also as a result of a lot of the changes that Reagan made, the presidency has acquired way more power than it should have. I get how seductive, maybe that's the wrong word, how appealing a line out of veto is. You know, hey, somebody should have the ability to have fiscal responsibility or rationality. 
I just, I think that we need to go back to first principles. And separation of powers is the first among the first principles. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And uh, Bill in Prescott, Arizona. Hey, Bill, what's up? Hi, Tom. It's a true honor. I'm your age. It's a true honor. Um, I, the one thing that bothers me, I'm hearing all this thing about the post office. I'm retired from the post office. I was the APWU president for the Prescott Local for over 25 years. But, um, you know, on Christmas time, we get bombarded with mail. And if if everybody in the country just sent one Christmas card that's equivalent to what's going on with the ballot by mail. And right, and you guys can easily handle that. The Postal Service sending ballots in in the 1st of November. You know, right. the post office is used to heavy volumes at times, especially Christmas. The Postmaster General has ordered, apparently, the sorting equipment, the sorting machines, to be removed from the central distribution centers, the central postal centers, whatever you call them, you would know, Bill, and told that people have to sort the mail by hand instead of by machine, and no more overtime is authorized. And so the mail is now screwed. That's where we need to get our Congress on the ball here. I mean, this is criminal, what's going on. And then the other thing that bothers me, Tom, is 85% of the membership on the Prescott Local voted Republican. So basically every election, a lot of postal workers are voting themselves out of a job. Yeah, well, that may change, but I get what you're saying. Bill, thank you for the call. Yeah, thanks for sharing your experience with us. You're welcome. Uh, Good to hear from you. Thank you. Catherine in Baltimore, Maryland. Catherine, you've got 18 U.S. Code 1703. Whoever being a Postal Service officer employee, you got the rest of it? Unlawfully secrets, destroys, detains, delays, or opens any letter, postal card, package, bag, or mail entrusted to him or which he comes into his possession and which was intended to be conveyed by mail or carried or delivered by any carrier or any other employee of the post office's post office or forwarded through or delivered from any post office or station thereof established by authority of the Postmaster General or Postal Service shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than five years or both. Um, so a Postal Service officer, I assume Louis DeJoy is a Postal Service officer. Right. He can go to prison for this. Yes. So I've been trying to get on the the phone with all my representatives, but senators are out of session and my reps are not, you know, they're just... Yeah, it's worth repeating, by the way, our caller, uh, you know, Tom in in Jerusalem, Israel, called into the program earlier. He's an American expat. And he said that Louis Debs in the 1890s, when the Pullman-Porter strike happened, um, the way that the president broke that strike was by and and put a candidate ultimately a candidate for president of the united states uh, eugene debs in prison the way that he broke that strike was by saying that the rail the railroad was one of the principal ways that mail was being delivered and because these guys were interfering with the mail he could put them in prison which he did now we've got guys interfering with the mail surprise surprise they could go to prison we need to get this message now the problem is that that requires bill barr to enforce the law it's a federal law so it would have to be enforced by federal courts and by the fbi i am not holding my breath for bill barr to do that he's perfectly happy with donald trump breaking the law but it's bizarre is there any way the congress can file a lawsuit or something does it have to all go through bill barr uh, well, they can file lawsuits all day long. That's not a police action. The police actions of the United States, the police powers of the United States are, rever- are reserved to the executive branch. So, yes, if anything involves sending somebody to jail, it's got to go through Bill Barr. Irwin in Youngsville, North Carolina. Hey, Irwin, what's on your mind today? Uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, but, but the ballots that are returned, are they considered third-class mail? They are now. They weren't until about two weeks ago. What would happen if the individual returning the ballot would put first-class postage on the ballot? 
You know, actually, I may be wrong, Erwin. It may be that when they come back, they're considered first-class bail, but when, they're go, when they go out, they're considered third-class bail, you know, because they're pre-sorted. That was the whole point of, of getting, you know, giving them a discount. They, they give them a discount on the sending them out, not on the receiving them back. I'll have to dig a little deeper to get a, a precise answer for that, Erwin. But yeah, my so guess is yeah. that it, it's going to vary from state to state, too. In many states, uh, you know, you may get an envelope, but it doesn't have postage on it at all, and you've got to put your own stamps on it. In, uh, in fact, it's probably the case in most states that have uh, uh, absentee ballots. Uh, in Oregon and Washington State, uh, and I believe in the other three states that do all mail-in, your envelope for returning the ballot is prepaid, but not sure on that. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to look into that and get back with you. Thanks a lot for the call, though. And uh, Ryan in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Ryan, what's on your mind today? Backup plan to mail-in ballots. Vote by school district, organized by your local PTA, making every school in the U.S. a ballot box. Also that has to be, that would have to run through your secretary of state. Your, your, the rules for voting in every state are defined by those states. So, uh, you know, it, you'd have to do state by state on something like that, Ryan. Okay, thanks, Tom. Yeah, thanks a lot for the call. Buck in uh, San Clemente, California. Hey, Buck, what's up? Quick side note, yesterday, nondiscreet white car was following my mailman around kind of a, an overweight lady working on a, a tablet, keeping track of his time. So they're working on it. But my main call oh, is I think we need to impeach Barr right now for misleading the American public about the Mueller report. I mean, that's a crime. It's yeah. against our country. And if we start stirring up the pot now, maybe it'll distract Trump enough. I doubt it. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't. I share your sentiment, Buck, and I think that Bill Barr has committed numerous, at the very least, crimes against democracy, if not actual uh, actions that are, you know, fundamentally illegal. But I guarantee you the Democrats are not going to do this. There's just there's just no time. They've got a million other things on their plate. They are afraid that it'll stir up the base. You know, they should have gone after Bill Barr, you know, long ago. Frankly, in my opinion, Bob in Portland. Hey, Bob, what's up? Hey, Tom, I think we're in the ring with Mike Tyson. He's about to bite our ear off, and we ought to strike now. Trump violated the Constitution. He should be impeached again right away. I agree. I agree. Again, though, I'm telling you, you know, this is not going to happen. So, you know, what we've got to do is get everybody we know registered to vote and and get everybody, you know, get get an early ballot and, you know, get it get it out there, get it ready or vote in person. Dawn in Sun City, Arizona. Hey, Dawn, what's up? Got an idea to make a little help to a remedy on this post office debacle. Mm -hmm. Why not have the recorder's office? Have a truck come in and pick up the mail, pick up the ballots. It would be against the law, Dawn. You can't, uh, you know, the law is very specific about U.S. mail. It's tampering with the mail, opening the mail, even transporting the mail if you're not authorized to do so as a crime. I love the way you're thinking. It's a great, you know, I mean, we, we all need to be thinking outside the box here. What can we do about this? But unfortunately, that particular suggestion is going to work. I look forward to your next idea, Dawn. Gretchen in La Canada, California. Hey, Gretchen, what's on your mind today? Well, hey there, Tom. Well, what's on my mind is the integrity of the vote. And for years and years, I lived in Colorado where everybody voted by mail. And I usually would hand deliver my ballot to the county clerk's office or an early voting station. Sometimes I would even wait until Election Day and drop it in the ballot box on Election Day. But I am urging all voters to hand deliver their ballot. This way they avoid lines and COVID exposure at the polls. It circumvents mail tampering, destruction of ballots, and theft from mailboxes. It'll help expedite the count. It will ease tracking. I know that here in California, we have a little tracking icon. You can photograph that with your phone, and you can monitor your ballot and actually see when it's tabulated. So I'm just telling people, please fill out your uh, ballot carefully, follow instructions, sign it. If you need um, people to be your witness, make that happen and hand deliver your ballot 
And if you're in the younger age group, please volunteer to work the polls. Us oldsters cannot do that safely anymore. So tag, they're it. The young people and hand deliver, hand deliver, hand deliver the ballot. Where where you can do that, Gretchen. Ohio, for example, has just ruled that there can only be one drop box where people can drop off their ballots per county. So uh, Cleveland, I think Cleveland is Cuyahoga County, has a population of two million people. There will be one drop box for two million people. Whereas just down the road, there's a there's another county, I forget the name of it, that's, that's only got 70,000 people in it. They'll have one drop box. So it's gonna vary from state to state, but uh, you know, in those states where it's possible to do that, spot on. I'm totally with you. Tani in Bronx, New York. Hey, Tani, what's up? I heard a metaphor earlier this morning on Stephanie Miller's show, and a constitutional law retired professor called him. He proposed a interesting scenario where he said your state my state colorado uh, washington hawaii and utah their their attorney generals could file a basically a brief on the behalf of the other states the rest of the states to get an injunction against trump and his limiting of what he's doing with the, the, the mails. postal service yeah. right and the mail-in ballots and i said to joyce you'll probably have to do a deeper dive but i'm not exactly getting it all the words, but I know one of the things he said was file an injunction, right. basically, but it would be half, it would be half of the, you know. I'm guessing that you're going to see this happen next week, or, that the states that have all mail-in ballots, you know, now that Donald Trump has said it out loud on Fox News, that his goal here is to kneecap the Postal Service so that we can't have a, quote, fraudulent election that is, you know, mail-in ballots. We've got five states that are entirely by mail-in ballots. They rely on the U.S. Right, Postal right. Service. And those those states need to, need to be suing. Um, that said, I think that Trump's strategy is the same strategy he's used in business for the last 50 years. Uh, you know, when he's constantly refusing to pay his contractors, just like he's refused to pay, you know, uh, something like 60 different police departments around the country now for security. He's got all kinds of cities that he owes money to, millions and millions of dollars he's refusing to pay. And his response has always been, sue me. Right. That's why 3000 plus businesses sued him as you know, when he simply refused to pay them. And, uh, you know, he he will say, "Okay, you want an injunction? Sue me. Uh, You know, we'll take it to the Supreme Court. We'll drag it out. Maybe your injunction will take place, but it won't take place until March of next year. I think that's the biggest concern. The easiest way to solve this problem right now is to lean hard enough on the Republicans in the Senate that their will breaks and they stop defending Donald Trump. We're down now to the point where Joni Ernst has taken Trump out of her TV commercials. Purdue down in Georgia has taken Trump out of his TV commercials. Lindsey Graham, I believe, has taken Trump out of his, you know, a bunch of these senators are taking Trump out of their out of their campaign commercials. And at some point, Trump is going to be politically weak enough that they may stand up to him and say no. But it's going to have to happen fairly soon. Serious, long-lasting, deep damage is being done to the Postal Service right now. And uh, it is not a good thing. Well, Rich, i got to move along, but thank you for the call. I, I, I love your comments. Tom in Chicago. Hey, Tom, what's up? I guess one way to lean on the Republicans is to strike. Isn't it true that there's over 500,000 postal workers and they have a good union? Yes. Okay. Well, if they organize... They two unions, and, actually. But. Right. Did a strike, wouldn't that force these Republicans? I mean, because it would totally upset the whole United States if there was a postal strike. Nothing would be able to get I think through. that might turn people against them, in number one. And number two, I could see Trump just using Reagan's playbook then. You know, it is illegal for federal employees to strike. And so if the Postal Workers Union, either the Letter Carriers Union or the or the other one that you know covers pretty much everybody else, were to go on strike, I could see Trump just firing them all. And he would have the legal basis to do it. He would simply be doing what Reagan did well, with the air did, traffic controllers. If he did fire them all, then there would be no one left to uh, deliver mail. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to get and Which may be exactly what Donald Trump mail. wants. Well... You know, I mean, that's what he's trying to do right now. And right in front of us, he's he's trying to he's trying to do this. I love the way you're thinking, but I don't think that that's going to be the one that's going to work. Sharon in Browns Valley, California. Hey, Sharon, what's up? Hi, I'm calling uh, about uh, evictions prior to the election. This is probably going to depend state to state. But here in California, you may register and use general delivery as your address. 
Okay. Post office general delivery. So here in California, they did it on behalf of the homeless years ago. They request that you identify a spot where you might be located, which would be a street and cross street, the corner of A and B, so that they can somehow, some way, if they have to identify you. But yeah. outside of that, general deliver- your name and general delivery gets it. That's great. I'm guessing that that is very much not the case in every red state and probably most of the swing states. God bless California. I, I suspect, yeah, I suspect that may be right. But a phone call to the secretary of state of each state will clarify that for anybody. And you're in a position to, to disseminate that information, which might make a difference. Of, I mean, I don't know how many right. people are going well, to be did, between now and then. Yeah, oh, no, well. you just did. I mean, you know, you, you just said okay. it to, to uh, you know, hopefully okay. a few million people. So, Don in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Don, what's up? Hi, Tom. I'm good this morning. <clears throat> Been following the discussion and uh, looking forward to getting the uh, uh, information about the oversight committee for the post office. I can mm-hmm. see uh, there's a lot of interest in this issue, and I, I've been trying to think of a way. I'll give you. I'll give you a work. tip. It's called the Oversight and Reform Committee. But anyhow, continue. Oh. Very good. Oversight and reform in the House. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to name all the members and everything when we come back on the other side of this break. But what was Very that good. Well, like several of my friends, I've been trying to think of a way to support the post office without having to go through the revenue channels at the Congress. So I went out and bought a bunch of sheets of stamps, and I got so many stamps, now I'm ready for Christmas. But I had the <laughs> idea. I know in Washington State, we don't require postage for mail-in ballots. And I think there are a number of other states, I think Oregon might be included, that similarly don't require postage when you mail in a ballot. I'm wondering what would happen. I wondered what would happen if we would affix stamps to the ballot as kind of a tip for the post office. I'm not certain of this, Don, but I used to run an ad agency in Atlanta and we used to drop about two and a half million pieces of mail a year. Actually, it was more like two and a half million pieces of mail a month. We were doing seminars all over the country. We did 180 seminars a year for people in business on on marketing and advertising. My recollection is that when you have postage paid envelopes, not only do you have that logo that everybody's familiar with up in the upper right-hand corner where it says, you know, first class mail paid and you've got the bars underneath it, but that down on the bottom, underneath the address line, the return, you know, to, to which you're returning that envelope, there is a barcode or a code, but I, I believe it was a barcode, that is read by the automatic sorting machines in the post office. So those machines would be looking for that barcode. They would not even notice that the postage was on there if my understanding of how the post office works is correct. Now, I, I'm not inside the post office, but uh, you know, we, I know that we have listeners who are letter carriers and people who work in the post office. And if I'm wrong on that, maybe somebody can correct me. But A, I, I don't think it would matter. I don't think the, the sorting machines would even notice that you'd put a stamp on because of that barcode. And B, anytime you're mailing anything, you're increasing the costs of the post office. The only time you increase their revenue is when you actually buy the stamps. So I've got a couple of stamps here, but if I put them on a letter and that causes, in particular, if it causes the post office to have to pull that thing out of the sorting uh, order and hand stamp it or something like that, it's going to slow things down even more. So I'm not sure that that's the solution. Again, you know, hoping that, you know, somebody who knows this stuff uh, or works for the post office can call in and correct me if I'm wrong. The committee, uh, Sue Nethercutt did the research on this while we were on the air. She does our newsletter and and all kinds of other, and maintains HartmanReport.com and other things with our program. And and God bless her. Sue is just, you know, a wonderful person and does such great work. And she sent me, or she tweeted that the committee that has oversight over the post office is the, in the U.S. House of Representatives, is the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. The chairwoman is Carolyn Maloney of New York. The ranking member is James Comer of Kentucky. I'm just going to go through the list so that if you live in one of these states and if you recognize one of these names, if they represent you, your phone call to them or letter to them or email to them or fax to them or whatever you may do will have a lot more impact than somebody who doesn't live in the district. But even if you don't live in the district, uh, you may want to just grab one of these names and, and contact them. Again, the number for Congress is 202 224-3121. 
So the uh, chair and the ranking member are Carolyn Maloney and James Comer, Democrat and Republican. The Democratic members are Eleanor Holmes Norton, William Clay, Stephen Lynch, Jim Cooper, Gerald, actually I should give you the states too, Norton of D.C., William Clay of Missouri, Stephen Lynch of Massachusetts, Jim Cooper of Tennessee, Gerald Connolly of Virginia, Raja Krishnamurthy of Illinois, Jamie Raskin of Maryland, Kwasi Mafume of uh, Maryland, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his first name, uh, Harley Ruda of uh, California, Ro Khanna of California, that's interesting, Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Florida, John Sarbanes of Maryland, Peter Welsh of Vermont, Jackie Spear of California, Robin Kelly of Illinois, Mark DeSolnier of uh, California, Brenda Lawrence of Michigan, Stacy Plaskett of, Virgin, of the Virgin Islands, Jimmy Gomez of California, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, and Katie Porter of California. Those are the Democrats. Here are the Republican members of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform that has oversight over the post office. Jim Jordan of Ohio, Paul Gosar of Arizona, Virginia Fox of North Carolina, Thomas Massey of Kentucky, Jody Heiss of Georgia, Glenn Grothman of Wisconsin, Gary Palmer of Alabama, Michael Cloud of Texas, Bob Gibbs of Ohio, Clay Higgins of Louisiana, Ralph Norman of South Carolina, Chip Roy in Texas, Carol Miller of West Virginia, Mark Green of Tennessee, Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota, Fred Keller of Pennsylvania, and W. Stube of uh, Florida. So that's, as far as I can tell, that's a good starting point in terms of a pressure point for these issues with these people. So uh, a place to start. Kitty in Delray Beach, Florida. Hey, Kitty, what's on your mind? For my business, I've been shipping for 22 years. I ship all over the world. And we're a manufacturer, so we're actually bringing money into the country. And in all of these years, I ha- I've lost two packages, one in Australia and one in Russia, after 22 years. Starting around March, I have had such problems shipping overseas. We're almost considering not doing it because we're sending out products and they're doing chargebacks on us because they're not getting their packages. And I'm talking about four months later, they're not getting their packages. Whoa. And after all these years, to never have problems, and then all of a sudden get to the point where we're like, maybe we can't ship overseas anymore because we're actually work, we're spending the money, we're spending the shipping money, and we're doing it, and then they're doing chargebacks. I've had fights with customers, and I'm like, I can't track anything. I can't. And now, the way we resolved it is by saying to our customers, you have to pay the most expensive way to ship, which is the expedited or Global Express, which is so much more expensive now. And I said, other than that, I cannot guarantee when you will get your package, if you'll get it. I have never had that problem. I have always loved the post office. My husband's a veteran, and we would have even gotten discounts at, like, I think FedEx or UPS. And we still won't do it because the post office has been so reliable. You get free um, shipping material, free boxes. I mean, it's been wonderful. So for it to get like this, I know I know they're doing, they're messing with it. There's just no question. It's sabotage. Yeah, yep. it's, it's clearly sabotage. Kitty, I hope that you uh, will have an opportunity to call 202-224-3121 and share that story with your member of the House of Representatives and both of your senators. They're, both of your senators are Republicans. I don't know who represents you in the House. I'm not really sure either, but I will definitely yeah. start but making my phone Marco call. Rubio and Rick Scott need to hear from you. And the, the number okay. is 202-224-3121, because we have to raise hell with Republicans. As Mark Pocan said, Congressman Pocan, he said, they need to feel the heat, the Republicans. The Democrats already know this is a crisis. Their hair is on fire. The Republicans are like, eh, you know, no big deal. And maybe I'll you know, yeah. not lose. And we're a manufacturer. We're yeah. a manufacturer, oh, you an American sh- manufacturer. Yeah. Kitty, I wish you the very best. Keep us up to date on how things are going, okay? Thank you. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. You can help America return to democracy by telling friends and family how to listen to this and other great progressive programs. Tag, you're it. Hi, Tom Hartman here. Hey, my new book is out, The Hidden History of Monopolies, How Big Business Destroyed the American Dream. We're having a coronavirus-safe book tour. I'll be at Powell's virtual bookstore event in conversation with David Corton, Tuesday, August 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Go to powells.com and get your tickets for the live stream event. And on Friday, September 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific time, I'll be at a Town Hall Seattle virtual event. And you can get your tickets for that live stream event at townhallseattle.org. There are also links at tomhartman.com. I'll be taking you from the birth of America through FDR to the Reagan Revolution and today. In the foreword of my book, Ralph Nader says, this is the most important dynamic book on the cancers of monopoly by giant corporations written in our generation, end quote. So be sure to go to TomHartman.com and sign up for one of these two great virtual book signings. Powell's in Portland and Town Hall, Seattle. Don't miss it and sign up now. Tag, you're it. And welcome back. Johnny in Galveston, Texas. Hey, Johnny, thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up? Good afternoon, Tom. I have a technical questions in regards to the Dropbox I hear about all the time. First of all, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what people are referring to. Are they saying the Dropbox at the post office or the Dropbox at a voting location? And if there's a Dropbox at a voting location for people with their mail-in ballots, ballots that they prefer to drop off in person, um, is there a mechanism by which when they drop it in the box, they can enter the code, some kind of a serial code on the outside of their envelope that pertains to their voting, uh, to them to them specifically, and they get a paper receipt, so there's a paper trail? Or is it just an empty box with a lock on it that we hope Republican operatives don't steal some in the dead of night? It depends on the state, Johnny. And that's the problem. You know, every state runs their elections however they want. This is, uh, you know, the Tenth Amendment in action. So here in Oregon, which is an all-vote-by-mail state, you can put your ballot in the mailbox, which is what I always do. And this was used, by the way, more prior to, I think it was three or four years ago. I'm I'm not sure exactly when it happened, but the state legislature changed our vote-by-mail thing so you no longer had to put stamps on your ballot. I I remember I used to have to, it took two stamps to mail in a ballot in in Oregon. And if you didn't do the two stamps, you were in trouble if you just put one stamp. And so the state legislature changed that and said, we'll pay for the postage. But, you know, you could drop it in the mailbox or 
the state sets up, and, and, and frankly, I'm pretty sure it's the state setting these up. I don't think it's just Multnomah County where I live, you know, Portland. Um, but they were setting up bo- drop boxes that are sort of like mailboxes, you know, the, the postal mailboxes. They're big, they're heavy, they're bolted to the concrete, uh, you know, they're, or, or, or fastened in a way that you can't easily steal them. You can't get inside them, you can't interfere with them. And people would drive up and drop their ballots in those drop boxes. And those were principally for people who were trying to vote, you know, in the two or three days just before the election when you weren't sure that your ballot would actually make it through the mail. Um, those drop boxes are taking on added urgency now. All the states, the six states that do all mail-in voting, or maybe it's five states, um, they all have some variation on this. And that's what they're referring to when they say drop boxes. Other states that are doing, that are expecting large numbers of absentee ballots, which typically entirely come through the mail, are talking about putting together or legislating to put into place drop boxes like we have here in Oregon, where you can drop your ballot off. But not every state is doing it. In fact, I don't even think a majority of states are doing it. And it goes state by state. And I'm sorry, Johnny, I don't have a list here uh, in front of me of which states are doing what. So I can't tell you what the situation is there in Texas where you live. But if you call your secretary of state's office, they should be able to tell you or your county clerk uh, you know, there in Texas, uh, I don't know the name of the county that you live in, but, you know, they should be able to tell you. But the bottom line is this is this is the sort of thing that H.R. 1, the first piece of legislation that, that Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats passed out of the House of Representatives when they took over back in January of uh, 2019. This was the first piece of legislation that was passed. And it funded things like this. I don't know specifically it funded drop boxes, but it gave the states enough billions of dollars that they certainly could do drop boxes. And they could strengthen their their, uh, voting systems. And they could protect the the, uh, electronic infrastructure of their voting systems. And they could print more ballots to accommodate vote by mail. We've got this situation right now in Puerto Rico where there's not enough ballots because the state didn't have enough money to print the ballots because they underestimated, presumably because they underestimated how many people wanted to vote this time. This isn't a primary. Shay in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Shay, what's up? Good afternoon. Good afternoon to everyone else. And Tom, you're absolutely spot on. I've never mentioned it before, but um, I work with the Democratic Party here, and on Monday we had a Zoom meeting. And one of our concerns because of the post office tampering is how to help people, because when we've been trying to register them for VBM, which is vote by mail, they've been reluctant, uh, some people. Um, Vote by mail registrants are up by 10,000 so far, what we've been able to tally just in our district. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And we're going to ramp up our effort to ask people to bring their ballots to our Democratic office, and then we're going to directly take those ballots to the supervisor of elections to avoid having to use the post office. But I wanted to say this. I believe that this effort is so much more sinister than we can even imagine. In 2018, China awarded Ivanka Trump a patent for election machine software. If they do not stop you from voting by mail, then their plan goes down the drain because they want people to vote in person in order to be able to manipulate the vote. She got that software for a reason, and we need to find out where the software was implemented, but we need to understand what the long game is. To the best of my knowledge, Shay, Nothing has been done with that. I I don't recall if it was a patent or a trademark. But if Trump holds on to power, I would guess that four years from now, you will see Ivanka Trump voting machines in every state, or at least every red state. Well, she won the software, and it was a a patent for the software, which means that, I mean— her the and and also she started buying up nursing homes. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but last year, and a lot of really? the COVID spread. Mm-hmm, and a lot of the um, COVID spread first in nursing homes. I've been reading a lot and just like looking at 
what what type of strategic moves they've been making. And it was I wonder if she's doing like Walmart. You know, Walmart buys, they're called dead worker policies. They buy life insurance mm-hmm. policies on their mm-hmm. employees. And Walmart is the beneficiary. I wonder, is obviously, you know, I'm just free associating in a fairly mm-hmm. paranoid fashion here, but what if Ivanka bought up nursing homes and then bought life insurance policies on all the residents and now here it comes? You know, is that that's how she made hundred, you know, 70 well. million bucks last year? Yeah, that's a possibility as well. And I would say the word paranoia, we can just dismiss that word because yeah. it has been proven that, <laughs> you yeah. know, we're not paranoid. Right. This is this is an unfortunate reality for us. So, yeah. you know, we have they to really be able to, to yeah, we have to be willing to go there because they are. And so we can't wait until the last minute and be behind the eight ball all the time trying to catch up with the evil that they're doing. We must be vigilant or we're going to be living in Nazi Germany. Pretty much, yeah. because this is what, because you got Steve Miller and people of his ilk that are also behind this. It's not just about Trump going to jail, which he richly deserves. It's about all the people that are associated with him around the world that are pushing this type of agenda, including in Britain. And I love the guest you had on yesterday. She was spot on. Um, yeah. I can't remember her name now, but um, Victoria. I'm sure Victoria you know who I'm Jones. talking about. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for all you, that you do. And, and everyone be safe and God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you, Shay. Patrick in West Los Angeles. Patrick, you got 30 seconds. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it short. Thanks for the line. Um, okay, so in the nightmare scenario that you keep bringing up, um, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, Patrick, must- I'm, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to call back on Monday. I mistimed that. I thought we had longer than we did. Hey, special thanks to Louise Hartman and Sean Taylor, our executive producers, Nate Atwell, our video producer, Jamie Holly, and Nigel Peacock, our webmasters, Joyce Nance, who answers our phones, Patrick White and Gerilyn Halbert, who do our podcast, Dave Fulton and Chase Spross, our engineers, Ron Hartenbaum, our business manager, Nicholas Miller's Pat Swinney and Jabber. Maki, who monitor our chat room over on YouTube. Thank you to all of you for helping put the show together. And thank you to you for listening or watching. And get out there, get active, tag your end. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 